Welcome to Connected, a podcast with Jess. That's me. Connections are the secret to a whole life. Recognizing the connections between us and within us, mind, body, and soul, reveals the fullest potential of our humanity. Join me as I discover what connects us to each other and to ourselves. Your mind, body, and soul were not meant to live disconnected from each other. Putting all the beautiful parts of you into one breathtakingly whole experience is what you deserve. As a life coach, I work to support your story. Together, we can set free the story of you. I bring guests onto my show so that you can hear powerful stories of other women all across the world. I want you to see how profoundly important living and telling stories is. I understand what it feels like to live under expectations and programming that are not aligned with who you are. I learned to write my own story in my year of Jess, and I want to guide you as you write the story of you. Your beauty, power, and value are already in there, in you. It's time to rise into it and uncage the limitless experience that is you. You've been held back for far too long. It's time, time to take your pen back and write the story of you. If this makes your heart leap even just a little bit, let's talk. You can find out more about working with me on my website at jessicatravis.com. I hope to hear from you soon. guest that um, this is this is actually an episode that's going to really excite me because my guest today is somebody I am meeting for the first time as we interview. Um, her name is Sequoia Craig and um, I am just excited to hear her story kind of unfold as we get to know each other on this episode. So welcome Sequoia. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, um, you just out of curiosity, um, how did you find me or the podcast? And, and I would love to kind of make that connection for yeah. our listeners. Yeah, uh, through Instagram. Okay. I just was like researching different podcasts and you popped up. So I started oh. listening and yeah. Awesome. Well, um, I would love to just dive into finding out who you are. Um, so as we talk, this is just unfolding for me for the first time. And we talked just very briefly before we hit record, and um, this is a bit of a first for you too. So let's just have fun with it. I'm going to drink my coffee while I talk to you because it's 8.30 in the morning for me. Um, I think it is for you too because you're on the West Coast too, right? Yeah, I'm in California. Uh, Okay. So let's just start with my favorite question. Um, Sequoia, who are you? 
that's, that's such a heavy question. Um, <laughs> Let's just start with a bit. Yeah, no, right? it's great. It's great. I love to get deep. Um, so I am. Are we looking for like my like just my backstory? Well, um, you know, a lot of people come to um, or, or, you know, you bring a guest onto um, an episode and you say, this is what they do. This is who they are. This is what their job is or what their um, hobbies are or whatever. And I hesitate to do that because I I know that there's more to us than just the job that we do. And sometimes the job we do is such a big part of us. So I don't like to put words in anybody's mouth. So when you think about who are you and how you want to just lead this um, this unfolding of you, how would you answer that question? So business-wise, I'm a web designer. Um, I work with coaches and that's, I'm an entrepreneur, the first entrepreneur in my family. Mm. Um, personally wise, I am a child of dysfunctional families. I'm a child of blended families. I have six siblings. So wow. that's always a, you know, something that gets brought up. Um, I'm super nerdy. I play lots of really nerdy games and <laughs> I love coding. Um, I'm an introvert and my animals are the most important thing in my life. <laughs> um, I also foster cats and I really care about getting deep. Like I am mm. not one to shy away from the difficult conversations because having those conversations has allowed me to gain the emotional sobriety that I have today. Mm. That is a big statement, emotional sobriety. I, I want to come back to that, but I do have another question for you. What number are you in the six or the seven? You're the, you're, are you number seven or are you somewhere in between? No. So I'm actually the only child from both my dad and mom. Okay. Um, I have two older step siblings and four younger half siblings. Okay. Wow. So there's so much story there for you like yes. growing up life all of that um gosh I, I I'm seriously I have like a million questions just with your who am I um so let's just um you you mentioned emotional sobriety and I know that that's just like let's dive into the deep water right here um but I know that it's not something that you just um a comment that you just lay out there without a backstory. So I'm curious what brings you to using um, emotional sobriety as a description of where you are now. Um, well, the term I first learned when I was working for two coaches um, and they, they introduced that term to me. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I would say I wasn't emotionally sober, but to me, the term itself means like being able to get deep and knowing that where you are now, you're coming from your truest self and recognizing like, you know, when I, when I scroll through Instagram or something and I feel the like dysfunction or the reaction, like the first thing that I do is I notice that. And to me, that's where the emotional sobriety comes from. Um, but in terms of like 
the process to getting to be emotionally sober. Um, a lot of therapy and a lot of coaching and a lot of conversations mm. to get to that point. Um, I'm sure we'll dive into like yeah. what those challenges were. If, I don't know if you want me to start talking. Well, uh, yeah, I am curious. Um, you you mentioned um, that dysfunction was a uh, family dysfunction was a big part of uh, your story. Um, and one of the things that we've identified um, on the Connected podcast and then the work that I do is that our story can often feel like somebody else is writing this thing for me and I don't have much control of it. But learning to find um, where we can take that pen back and write it ourselves becomes a very empowering part of our story. Um, and we often look at um, the story of ourselves in chapters. So there's this chapter of, you know, often of my growing up, there's a chapter of my evolving from one uh, way of thinking into another way of thinking. Um, there's, there's, it's different for everyone. But I am curious um, how your story began when you think about um, where you are today. Um, what are some of those pieces that were at the beginning for you? Is it part of the dysfunction uh, of your growing up that um, define your story now? I love that you brought up rewriting the story from our perspective or like getting to share it from our perspective, mm -hmm. because going into this, that was something that I was really confused by. I actually talked to a mentor about it last week. You know, I said, I'm going to be on this podcast and my relationship with my mother is really rocky. And I know that I want to be able to share that relationship but I've never really shared it to the public before. And I also know that for her, like her public image really matters. Mm -hmm. And so I felt this like total conflict in me about sharing that story. Yeah. And my mentor ended up saying, you know, it's your story. It's your perception of the story that you get to share. And so I called my mom last night and I told mm -hmm. her I'm going to be on this podcast my perception of the story may be different from yours, but I'm going to talk about it because I'm being codependent on you right now mm. by like, you know, suffocating my own story to protect you. And, you know, your, your perception might be different and this is the past and the future is not, you know, it's, it's its own thing. Yeah. Um, and her and I actually had a really great conversation. So I'm sure she's listening to this. She was really mm. excited to hear it because she was mm. excited to hear about the things that were challenging for me, which absolutely took me by surprise. Um, wow. But yeah, so uh, my parents were married or they, they, so they were, I'm a love child, right? So they, okay. they got pregnant and then they got married and that relationship ended pretty quickly. And so I don't remember a time of my parents being together. Um, and some of my earlier memories are when my mom married my ex-stepdad okay. um, and they ended up adopting three kids and having one of their own. So within a year, I went from having no siblings to having <laughs> four. Wow. And in that, I became the third parent. I mm. didn't have a childhood. I spent a lot of time babysitting 
Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time following rules and trying to take care of everyone and holding on to like any semblance of control. Um, and my mom was always a very controlling person. It was like walking on eggshells. Um, my, my dad is a therapist. And at one point he handed me a book and said, I'm not going to tell you anything, but you should read this. And it was like children of borderline parents. Mm. Um, and the book was so validating for me to be able to see that I wasn't alone and that the things that I felt were not my fault. And it was just the way that my mom was. And so like learning that her, her like explosiveness was not anything that I was doing really shifted things for me. Um, you know, it'd be stuff like I couldn't find the dustpan. So I got grounded for a week mm. or, um, you know, I, didn't want her like in my room. I wanted space and she flip out on me. Or one time she was running late for work and I, I was, I was in high school. I was driving and she came into my bedroom and said, get up. I need you to take, I need you to take me to work. Her car wasn't working. And I was like, okay, you know, high school Sequoia is like, ah, what, what are we doing now? And so I'm like, okay, well, I have to get ready because I'm going to high school, right? So this like matters to me. And she started screaming at me and telling me that I was selfish for brushing my teeth and like putting on some mascara. And she kept telling me to go to hell. Mm. And I dropped her off at work that day. We didn't talk the entire drive. And then I went to my dad's house and he you know, he dismissed me from class that day and I stayed at home. Mm. Um, but it was just always like, I was always waiting for the moment where I had done something wrong. And probably stuck between that responsibility, like taking on some responsibility with siblings. So you feel a sense of responsibility, but then trying not to be responsible for other things that weren't, weren't yours to be taking on like your dad had shared with you. Um, yeah. that's an, that's a really, um, difficult space to exist in. Right. And anything that was, was not actively like for her was selfish. Yeah. And so I didn't understand the term self-care until I went to college. Mm. And the idea that like, you can take time for yourself and do things for you and people are not going to get mad about it was so foreign. Yeah. And so I had to like relearn all of these things and also start to have a childhood again. Mm. Like I, I remember going to therapy my freshman year of college and my therapist was like, all right, let's sit on the ground. Here's this pillow. I want you to hit me with this pillow. We're just going to play. And I just couldn't do it. Like I could mm. not do it because it just felt so wrong. Mm. So what was, um, what was a breakthrough moment for you? Was it continuing in um, a routine of therapy to kind of work through that? Where was it lifestyle changes, moving somewhere? Um, what was a breakthrough moment for you in that? So when I was 17, I moved out of my mom's house. My parents had joint custody. 
And I had gotten back from a trip with my dad's family and just like feeling all of this familial love. And, and I got back and I went to my mom's house and I went into her room and she said, Oh, Hey, welcome back. And like, didn't even really look up from her phone. And I was like, I'm back. Like, hi. And she like, didn't even really address me. And then the next day she got mad at me for something. And for some reason that was just like the final straw for me. It was like, I've been gone. You don't care, but you still want to control me. And so she was at work and my, my high school boyfriend and I packed up, we just like packed up all of my room in garbage bags, threw it into his truck. And I moved in with my dad. And that was such a powerful moment for me. It was me taking back my power. And of course she got home and was livid Mm -hmm. and I didn't talk to her for three months so that I could just like have space and reclaim that power. And that switch of the dynamic when she, she was like grasping for control, but she didn't have any anymore because I didn't live with her. That was when our relationship started to change. And then it was like healing, like before it was survival. And then after I was living with my dad and had separation and if she blew up on me, it was just, all right, you're done. I'm just not going to talk to you. That was when our relationship started to change and she got a lot nicer and more understanding Mm. because she realized if she was going to have a relationship with me, she had to honor my boundaries. Mm. That's a big decision to make at 17. Yeah. Yeah. So at that time, how would you have defined yourself? Um, I mean, it sounds like there's some, um, you, you mentioned earlier um, the word codependency, and I, I honestly can't remember if we said that here. Oh, I think it was. You were mm-hmm. describing a conversation that you had with your mom last night. And um, would you have described yourself um, in that codependent um, space prior to that uh, shift for you? Well, I mean, I, I didn't have any, like, I was just coming from survival. Was I codependent on her? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Because, and it was, it was this whole thing where, like, I wanted her approval and affection because it was so rare mm-hmm. that I was tying up my self-worth and how she saw me. Yeah. So what happens, um, what happens after, um, you said you didn't speak for about three months and then you had this you know back and forth with some boundaries in place and and but working in kind of some forward motion is that something that continued for you and um between you and her I know the story isn't just about you and her um but um was this part of defining maybe a new storyline for yourself is are those boundaries yeah so the last let's see the last so that was six years ago. So the last like really five years have been about holding boundaries and then doing the healing. And a lot of that time has been me just not being able to, to have a conversation with her because Mm -hmm. it's, it's not in alignment with my healing, like Mm -hmm. working through all of this stuff. And then also having a conversation with her just 
wasn't meshing. And so like, I've had her like contact on my phone, like, you know, silenced where I don't get the notifications because that used to create such a trigger for me, just like seeing her name on my screen and feeling like I didn't have any control when it popped up. Um, And so she's tried to have like contact with me. And I would say like, I, I keep her at a distance and every couple months I probably allow her to have a conversation and it's usually pretty positive. Um, but like moving forward, I don't know what it's going to look like. Our conversation last night, she made it very clear that she's working on herself. But if I'm being completely honest, that's not like saying that means more than actually doing it. So I'm still like hesitant about it. Um, But also at the end of the day, like, yeah, she is my mom and she's a powerful woman and I would love to have a good relationship with her, but there's a lot of healing that still has to happen. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's probably a, um, a scenario that many of us can relate to is just the ongoing work. And, um, I had a beautiful life coach who I interviewed on this podcast, but she would say, um, I am my own responsibility. And I, Oh, I used to cringe at that so much. Like I'm responsible for so much. Don't tell me I'm my own responsibility too. You know, like it just wasn't connecting with me. And one day she said, Jess, that's not what I mean. I mean, you are responsible. You have control of the responses that you have in the relationships that you're working on. And it made me realize that I am not actually responsible for somebody else's um, work or their um, their choices in what forward looks like or, you know, fixing relationships with me. But um, but I am responsible for mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was a bit freeing for me to be able to um, to move forward without um, I guess codependency would be a bit of that in that category or that would be in that category that I will, I didn't have to be responsible for, um, how people reacted to the boundaries that I set. Um, but that it was, that I was responsible for me. And that was quite, ended up being quite freeing. It wasn't in the beginning (laughs) of the work I was doing, but, um, but I could see that, um, when you start to look at self-care and what does it take for Sequoia to be healthy and to live, um, the life that she wants to live, um, you know, the, the boundaries in place help support that. Um, I'm going to shift gears here a little bit because I think this is, I, I'm sure it will come full circle. Um, but you mentioned that you were the first entrepreneur in your family. And I'm really curious, uh, what, what, motivate you motivated you to make that choice if it wasn't something that you were you know seeing happen you know in your family generationally or with other people um what sparked that move for you I'm sure it's connected to everything that we've already talked about but um but I'd love to hear that part too okay so yeah it's interesting because that's like more my dad's side of family is very big on education Mm-hmm. And I was the first grandchild to go to college. And wow. so they were 
pushing me. Like when I say I was pressured in high school, it was like pretty gnarly pressure. Um, And so I went to college because that was what I was supposed to do. And after a year, I was like, nope, this is not for me. So I ended up dropping out, which was probably pretty devastating to my grandparents, but they've seen why now. Um, And I just kind of was finding my way through the world. And I think I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't really know like how or when that was going to happen. And so after I dropped out of college, I just like started working some weird jobs and I ended up managing two buy sell trade stores here in Santa Cruz. And I loved the business side of things, but I did not love the customer service side of things. And so I started looking up, I I remember Googling it, like business consultant Santa Cruz, because I thought I'll just keep working here and I'll get an internship somewhere and I'll learn how to be a business consultant. And then I can do that at some point, like that's how I want to learn how to do it. And so the first one that popped up, I sent them an email and I said, hey, do you have any internships open? And I later found out that he like posted the email on Facebook and was like, is this a scam? (laughs) And people were like, no, just call her and see what she wants. So he talked to me and realized I wasn't a scammer. And he and I ended up meeting with him and his wife the next like a couple weeks later. And after meeting with them, they offered me a full time job. And so it ended up being that they were coaches, which is kind of what got me into the coaching world. Um, And so I worked for the two of them for two and a half years. They each have their own business. Um, He's an ontological executive consultant. And then she has her own business um, where it's a lot about like self-love and it's Mm -hmm. more group programs. And so for the two of them, I was doing like online business management, building websites, getting to manage their social media, making decisions. They gave me tons of control, hooked me up with some amazing mentors. And so I started learning about how business works, right? Which is why I went to them in the first place. And I also learned how to get back to being. I learned about Mm. ontology. I got tons of coaching. I was around a healthy relationship. I spent so much time with them and just learned how to communicate healthily. Um, My relationship is so much better because of seeing how they communicated with each other. And and they had a son too. And so I got to see like this healthy parental Mm -hmm. dynamic, which was powerful. Oh, I bet. And... Um, so that taught me a lot and realized like I'm energized for business. This is what I want to be doing. And with the pandemic, my hours ended up getting cut. And so I started taking on my own clients and I really thought like my own business is not going to happen for a while, but oh my God, here it is. This is happening. I guess we're going. And three weeks ago, I think was my last day with them. Wow. So I am officially a full-time entrepreneur and that transition out was really rough, but I wouldn't be where I am without those two coaches and their love and support for me, both professionally and personally. And they still cheer me on, which is amazing. Wow. 
So in doing your own work, in doing your own thing, um, one of the beauties is you get to call the shots. Like you get to say, this is what I want it to be. So what is it that you are passionate about in the work that you do? So I like to say that I am the like bridge between the tech world and the coaching world because I am total tech nerd, but I speak the language of coaches and I hired an employee pretty early on because I knew I just wanted, I didn't want to be totally overwhelmed. My well-being is super important to me. And in our interview, like I've never seen her resume. I don't care about that. I told her I can't teach someone compassion. I can teach you how to do software things or how to market, but I can't teach you compassion and integrity. And so that's been the forefront of my business, which I think is something that's also missing in the tech world is just the humanity side of things because tech is so, you know, ones and zeros and Mm -hmm. humanity is so not. (laughs) And so getting to bring that like coaching presence and language to the work that I do and showing up as a human, right? Like I, I have hard conversations with my clients and I'm very real with them. And that's what makes me passionate. Like I love coding. I love that I can sit here in my office with the lights off and just like, you know, be like mad scientists. And I also get to honor people and create for them things that they can't do themselves and have the hard conversations and show up with integrity and compassion and authenticity. You know, that is, that is a uh, beautiful and much needed space um, for coaches. Um, when I came out of my coaching training, we had, um, you know, this, this big, beautiful basket full of um, the hows and the the needs and that, you know, all the things, the humanity part of coaching, right? And we launch ourselves into the world and we go, uh, how many Instagram posts do I have to do? And how do I do that? And what do analytics mean? And like, there's this whole world that has to be part of your business. And yet, um, it's not the part that necessarily drew you to do the work that you wanted right. to do. And so you suddenly feel like you have to be both. And so and no so many coaches that, do both. And they do. And especially, especially in the beginning when you're, you know, a one man show and, um, and really wanting to make sure that your, your heart, your message about um, the work that you want to do with um, other humans is uh put out there in a way that is full of integrity to your, your business and to your own passion um, without compromising what it is that uh, social media and marketing require for that message to get out. Right. And you've just come from this training about, you know, how to learn, how to be with humans and how to help people. And now you're like, wait, I have to learn. What? (laughs) I know. I'm like, I don't know. I posted on Facebook, you know, about, birthdays and fun things that happened in my life. And now I'm supposed to, you know, come up with all of this, you know, content all the time. And, and, and what you really want to do is just do the work of supporting humans in their stories. Right. And so I, I see what a beautiful gift that you are giving people in the work that you do. It is much needed. 
um, I am not energized by zeros. And, <laughs> and But I am energized by stories. And so what a beautiful partnership to bring um, for you to see that you, the, the thing that you are excited about and, and keeps you up late at night to, to do can actually bring life to somebody else's um, work too. So you right. get to and, and coaches are so inspiring. Like I love that I get to support coaches because the work that coaches do is so magical. I mean, it's just beautiful. Like you get to help people all the time. And like, I'm not a people person. So it's, it's just so lovely to get to support coaches. It is a beautiful uh, arena that I feel like I walked into because I have learned so much from other coaches in um, how they think and how they uh, hold space um, for people and how they are willing to carry um, a load with someone into new space, you know, moving from from one um, stuckness <laughs> into freedom. And it's um, it does. It takes uh, beautiful humans to do that. And I have been I, I love the language. I love the world. I um, I love being inspired daily by my Instagram feed full of coaches. You know, it's it's a it's a good space to be in. Um, so is this the uh, when we when we think about your story in terms of where where it started and where you are presently? Do you know what that story is that you want to write about yourself um, as you move forward? Is it um, do you have uh, dreams and hopes and ideas? And I mean, I'm sure you do. If you're an entrepreneur at heart, <laughs> I'm sure the list is actually quite long. But um, but what what is the story that you want to write moving forward about yourself? So when you asked me, like, I think one of your questions was like, what's the like thing that you want people to get out of this? And I wrote that when you stop, when you're confused, it's because you're not listening to yourself. Mm. And I think that's like the biggest thing for me is we all know exactly what we need and what we want, but whether or not we listen to us is why we're, we're where we are. Mm -hmm. And throughout my life like the moments where I'm not listening to my true self and what I actually need and want are the hardest moments and I you know it's the same thing like with my mom like deep down I knew that I needed to get out and I remember like having the cab phone number like the taxi service phone number in my phone in middle school because I was I knew one day I was gonna blow up and leave and it took me a long time to get to that point, which is good. I'm glad I waited until I could actually drive. Um, <laughs> but like, I knew that that was going to happen. And with college too, like every step of the way, anytime that I feel lost or confused is because I'm not listening to myself because I, I really do believe that we all have the answers in us. And so like, mm. what's next for me is to continue to, learn to trust my intuition and listen to myself. Hmm. And um, when, when I hear you say that, I, I think courage, I think brave. These are not easy spaces to walk out. To listen to ourselves is, um, you know, I just, 
in, in a lot of ways, I thought I was for a lot of years. I thought I was honoring myself. And I found that I was often honoring expectations of what other people had versus actually honoring that thing within me that says, I really like this. I really enjoy this. I love thinking about this. I love having this conversation. Um, so what do you love? What do you, what conversation do you love having? Is it about this, um, listening and honoring yourself? Um, what conversation, uh, are you anxious to have with other people? So two things come up for me. One is just, you know, getting deep with people. I love to listen to people and hear their stories and kind of, you know, reflect that back to them. And then the other thing that is the conversation that <clears throat> is the newly honored conversation is just how much of a nerd I really am. <laughs> like for so long, I felt like that wasn't, you know, I never thought I would ever be into coding. But now, like, I could talk to you about Wikipedia for this whole rest of the podcast, <laughs> right? But, like, getting to honor that authentic self and allowing mm -hmm. myself to mesh those two. Because I think we we tend to fit ourselves into this box of, like, here's all the things we should be doing. And, you know, if, if I'm a coach, this is what I need to be. Or if I'm a web designer, this is what I need to be. And getting to, like, express that we don't have to fit in those boxes. You know, I can be a hardcore gamer, but also love to wear heels on the same day. Yeah. Um, that, that's like, that's me. That's my conversation that I like having is a, holding space for people to show up as them, like be authentic mm. with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's a powerful thing. So in that, in being your authentic self, what are you most proud of, of you? Ooh, I like this question. I think I'm most proud of being an entrepreneur because I didn't see anyone doing it. Mm. And so much of my family was like, no, 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 you need to go to college. And getting to do the work to get to where I am. Oh, that's two. No, I'm gonna say I want to take it back. The work <laughs> that I that work the 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 work that I've done. That's what I'm most proud of is doing therapy and coaching and getting mm. to this emotionally sober place where I show up as me. Like I respond to things and I react to things, and I'm like, wow, that was so me. Like there wasn't anything else that was there. I just get mm. to show up as me. That feels good. Yeah. And of course, there's always like self-doubt and insecurity and all those things. But like recognizing those things is that's the powerful thing. Like knowing where I came from and my, you know, childhood and all my family stuff and getting to the point where like I'm emotionally intelligent. I have hard conversations. I get deep with people and I can call my mom and be super real with her and say like, here's the boundary that doesn't work mm -hmm. for me. And having that really clear communication. Wow. That, that is truly um, inspiring. Um, because I think anybody who can identify with your story at any, in, in any space of it 
um, or any uh, chapter of it, uh, would find that to be very difficult um, to to stand in the the shoes you stand in now. Um, so I feel that that's incredibly inspiring. Um, that the work matters. That the the investment that you made into yourself matters. And I mean, how old are you? Twenty three. So the the future that you have by taking your pen back and writing your own story is is quite magical. There's there's so much possibility for you. And at 23 to be to have made these choices along the way to be sitting here as an entrepreneur um having your own business, your own craft, your own work that you get to hand to the world. I, I mean your your possibilities are limitless. You you create it, you think it, you get to do it. Um, I yeah, I'm just I'm inspired. I I waited. <laughs> I was in my forties to do that, so I am um, I am I am inspired. Thank you. Yeah. Um. I know that there is. Um, a lot, uh, probably more to your story. And I would love, um, love to give you the space to share any other chapters of your story that have, um, have brought you to this moment, to this, um, awakening of yourself. So, my, that we talked about my mom's side of the family. And I just want to briefly go into my dad's side too, because mm -hmm. so growing up, obviously, like I was going back and forth between two households and both were blended families, which is always going to be interesting. And on my mom's side, there wasn't space for me to be me. And on my dad's side, I didn't feel comfortable beaten me mm -hmm. and so my dad and my stepmom have been together for a long time they've been together for 14 or 15 years now and she has two kids from a previous marriage who are both significantly older than me and that household while it wasn't like my mom's side of the household there was mm -hmm. still dysfunction there and like, I didn't talk at the dinner table until I was 18. Like, I just never felt like there was space mm. that was allocated for me. Like, I couldn't be me there. And so, so much of who I am was hidden from myself and my family mm. until I moved out. And I've, I feel like I've spent the last... I mean, yeah, I, I'm very young. I spent the last five years just like getting to discover who I am and getting to rediscover what it means to have a childhood and reparent myself. And I did some ACA work, adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, which was really good. Mm. Um, and like every day we're rediscovering who we are, but allowing yourself the space to discover who you are and like rediscover passions and learn new things. That's been pivotal for me. 
pivotal. That's not the right word. I don't know what the right word is. <laughs> um, but yeah, getting to reparent myself and have the childhood that I never had. And I'm so grateful that my partner is super playful too. And so we just get to play together. Like we mm. just spend so much time just playing and we play with our pets and that's, that's been really neat. Like playing was so uncomfortable for me for so long. Yeah. Life was very serious for you. Oh yeah. And to allow yourself to, to step back from the details and circumstances and just enjoy a moment. That's a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. So what do you enjoy to do? Aside from coding, because we know you like to stay up late and do that. No, I actually don't stay up late. I go to bed really early. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I really pride myself in having a really good work-life balance, but I love sewing. My grandmother taught me how to sew, so I've been getting back into that. And um, taking my dog on hikes is super fun. Um, and I play this this game called Dominion, which is a card game. I'm super involved with the Dominion yeah. community. Um, and doing art and just like frolicking around, like yeah. just running around and getting to be a kid. And yeah. my partner really does bring that out. Like he's very playful and we'll just make a game out of, you know, standing in line or mess around and giggle yeah. or laugh at our cat doing funny things. Like, it's just a lot of playing and allowing myself to be messy. I remember a couple months ago, I was like, let's do some art. So I pulled out all the art supplies and I put them on the table and he was like, what are we doing? And I was like, I don't know, just do whatever you want. And so I had this like coloring sheet that was like, it was like a coloring book, but just one page. And I had all these like tiny little markers for it and I'm coloring and I just was getting so angry. I was so mad at these markers and this sheet of paper and I'm just working myself up over this, like what, and I didn't know what was going on, but I'm just yeah. like coloring and just getting more and more angry. And I realized that coloring outside of the lines was never an option for me. Like uh. it was never encouraged or celebrated or, and, and I mean that like specifically right. for that, but also like other things too, right. Is like being so, rigid was always praised like mm -hmm. oh Sequoia's a young adult she's 12 but she acts like she's 19 like that's really great how impressive she's so mature and so I'm like getting really angry at these at these lines and I just I was like forget it I don't care about this piece of paper so I took my markers I took like seven of them in each hand and I just started scribbling <laughs> and then there was paint and I started putting it all over the sheet I put it on my face I went to touch the wall and my partner was like, okay, okay, maybe not that way. <laughs> we need one boundary. <laughs> yeah, right. And I just destroyed it and I just got it all over. And it was so liberating just wow. to not have to color in the lines and to just finger paint and know that whatever it turned out to be was okay. Like I didn't have to be so fixated on the result. I could just be in the moment. And so I went and hung it by my bed. It stayed there for a long time. I recently took it down, but I just, it was so liberating because 
at the end of the day, like this piece of paper mattered so much to me, but like, what was I going to do with it? It was like just a coloring book. It's not like I was going to frame it, but then it became this piece of art that I actually really was proud of. So much more for you. Yeah. So I'm curious, I, I love finding connections between humans, like how, how we aren't so separate from one another, but we're actually, uh, deeply connected. So, uh, have you lived your whole life in Santa Cruz? No, I've been here. This is where I moved for college. Okay. So, cause we lived in, um, Watsonville, the Monterey Bay area for um, when my kids were a little bit younger. And so I was really curious. I'm like, well, you're about the same age as my daughter. And (laughs) would you guys have gone to school? But um, how do you like Santa Cruz? I mean, for someone who uh, doesn't want uh, to have to draw inside the line, Santa Cruz is a beautiful community for that. Okay, so I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, Ah, which is Phoenix. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, there's our connection. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is really hot, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then I moved here and the weather is beautiful and yeah. I like it, but I'm ready for what's next. And yeah. I want to go cold. Like I've never really done cold before. Yeah. I know I'll complain the whole time, but like, I just <laughs> need to try it. I feel like called yeah. towards it. That's, that's another lesson is just like, right. Like listening to ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you my story about Judaism too, but like, that was the other question. I had yeah, but like, I just feel called to cold weather. So that's kind of what's next, I think for me, yeah. but Santa Cruz is amazing and I love it. It is very expensive. Um, yeah. but yeah, I just feel like I'm ready for what's next. Yeah. We did about two years there and, uh, that's about all we could sustain. And, um, And then we moved back to the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest. Um, But growing up in Phoenix um, and my husband being from the Pacific Northwest, um, I was so curious what seasons were, what winter was like. Like I wanted to wear a coat. I wanted to have a snow day. I wanted all of those things that I didn't have. I wanted a white Christmas. And, um, and I absolutely fell in love with the Pacific Northwest. I'm a little over the maintenance of winter, but, um, but up here we get to see so many, um, different, uh, seasons and experiences with, um, with weather. It's been, I don't know, I'd have a hard time leaving the PNW, but. Right. Cause you don't get any seasons in Arizona. It's no, just like no, hot, hotter, hotter. summer and then like <laughs> mild summer, yeah, exactly. <laughs> medium summer. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, um, so I am curious, you had mentioned that you made a big shift from one belief system, which I don't know what that is, to Judaism. So share with me about that, because that is actually a really intriguing topic to me. Okay, I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, so my dad was always very into Native American spirituality. And so like, I grew up being around that on his side. And then my mom's family super Catholic and my mom would sometimes go to church but like not always and pretty young she came to me and she said I I want you to all get baptized and I said no I don't feel like I'm old enough to make that decision I know that religion will play a part in my life but I don't want to make this decision this young Hmm. and she ended up not getting any of my siblings baptized after that and so when I started 
in middle school and high school, I noticed like a lot of my friends were Jewish and I just like always like was around Jewish kids. And I started asking questions and attending Jewish events with them. And so like, it was just a community that I felt like I fit in with. So when I went to college, I was like, where are the Jews? That's where I belong. So I'm going to go find them. So I joined Hillel, which is the Jewish organization on campus. And I was a part of this program called Hala for Hunger, which is where you bake bread and then you sell it and all the proceeds go towards supporting hunger. Um, And I was the treasurer of that. And like, I'm in this organization and like a couple people know that I'm not Jewish, but people were like shocked to find out just because I just fit in. And it was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I felt like converting wasn't the right time because I was getting everything out of Judaism that I wanted to So like converting was just like, you know, like, what's the point? So then I met my partner and his, he's Jewish. And of course, (laughs) like all, all over my life, people just like end up being Jewish. Like my therapist, I found out like on our last session, he's Jewish. Like it was just like weird stuff like that. And so my partner's family is Jewish and I'm sitting at his dinner table for a Seder for Passover. And I just felt like this is the time. Now it's the time. So I, cause I, I felt like it was my identity but I really wanted to like fully embrace it. So I reached out to a local synagogue here in Santa Cruz and I asked about the process of converting. It takes six months and it's different in reform communities from, you know, Orthodox communities. But I went to a class once a week and had to study. And then at the end of the six months, you have to go to what's called a mikvah, which I'll get into in a second. You have to sit down and talk to a, to some rabbis. And this particular synagogue had us write three essays. One was about God, one was about the Torah, and one was about, I don't remember what the other one was about. But so, so I wrote my essays and I talked about that experience with my mom and the whole, like, I'm not ready to find my religion and how, like, I'm ready now. Mm -hmm. And the mikvah was the most magical part of the whole thing. So the mikvah is, has to be flowing water. It's almost like a Jewish baptism. So we went to San Jose where they had a mikvah and you go in and you have to get completely naked and shower and you can't have nail polish, no earrings, nothing. And then the mikvah attendant comes and will like actually take off any loose hairs on you because it it can't be anything that's not connected to you isn't supposed to go into this water. And so you go in and water is really cleansing in Judaism. Um, And it's like, you know, like almost, you know, similar to baptism, like rebirth. Mm -hmm. And so you go in and you have to not touch the bottom or have your head above water. So you have to be completely floating and you're supposed to like spread your fingers and toes so that the water gets everywhere. And so that's like each dunk and you do it three times and in between you do a prayer. And then when you come out, you're Jewish. And I like have a certificate that I had to sign. I got to pick my Hebrew name. I went and talked okay. to the three, uh, Deborah. It's a, it means a swarm of bees. And that's like another thing that I've always felt connected to is bees. Um, and she's also like super powerful in the Torah. So I 
um, did the mikvah, talked to the three rabbis, which was really cool, got to talk about my family and how I got to where I am, talked about what Judaism means to me. And, and then I had my ceremony, which my family came to, which was super fun. And I got up and read a poem and I got my certificate that says that I'm Jewish and I was officially Jewish. And it was so meaningful for me to get to have that experience because it felt like a puzzle piece clicking in place. Like I always felt Jewish, but it was finally now I'm Jewish. And I'm so proud of being Jewish. And it's neat because my partner grew up Jewish, but I didn't obviously. And so even like when I was studying, I'd hold up something in Hebrew and be like, how do you pronounce this? And he'd tell me, and then I get to explain to him what it meant because he didn't know. And I get to have these like traditions and we, we do Shabbat. We're not, we're not perfect. So we don't do it all the time, but you know, we like the candles and I've gotten really good at making challah and celebrating Hanukkah. The first couple of years was interesting because the first year I was really angry about the fact that I couldn't find any Hanukkah decorations like I just really wanted I decorated and I've like spent a lot of time looking for decorations and I found a good amount um but everywhere you look it's always Christmas and that first year I was just so angry about it like where are all the Hanukkah decorations and then the second year I just felt sad, like, you know, this religion is not super common. I can't go to CVS and find, you know, the Star of David on everything. And then this last year was my third Hanukkah being Jewish. And I just felt really calm about it. It was just very peaceful and I spent time decorating and it was really good. So it was interesting. I felt like I kind of went through the stages of grief with Christmas, <laughs> like wow. anger and then sadness. But now I feel like I'm just like proud. And it was an adjustment that I really did not expect. I thought, you know, I'm Jewish now. Everything's going to be great. Yeah. But like feeling like I was missing out. And my partner, Zev, he didn't really understand because he never grew up with Christmas so he was like what's the big deal yeah we give we we it's eight days whatever <laughs> we we don't there are no decorations that's part of it and yeah. but now it's like I get to bring that aspect to it and now he's excited about the fact that we have you know two giant bins full of Hanukkah decorations so <laughs> I decorate every year and yeah it, it's it feels really good getting to honor that part of me and oh here's the craziest part when I was in my class my rabbi said Judaism is like a light or a candle and sometimes it grows dim but it almost always gets reignited and she said I would bet that almost every single one of you that are converting have Judaism in your lineage and so I went and looked my great, great, great grandfather was a rabbi. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you just had something inside you that was calling you. Yeah. And you chose to listen. Yeah. You chose to honor that inner voice that was saying, 
this is part of you. This is going to be part of your story forward. This is part of uh, the experience of Sequoia. I think that's just, I think it's beautiful. Um, Me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that you've found somebody who is not just sharing that same experience, but willing to understand your previous experience and be able to um, say, you know, hey, there is, I, I guess that little piece of grieving Christmas is a really interesting thing, uh, concept that that you can you identified that you actually had to say okay there is something to let go of here as I move into something new as excited as I am about the new there is something to grieve and um and giving yourself the space to do that beautiful beautiful thank you um, so uh wow I'm I'm really intrigued it makes me want to uh understand and learn more um about Judaism I I come from, um, I grew up the like evangelical Christian, um, faith system and, um, Judaism was something that, uh, we understood in terms of the old Testament, in terms of how it connected to the new Testament. Right. And, um, but, um, my mom chose to, her name is Deborah and she chose to name each one of um, her girls, there's two of us, um, with a certain spelling of our names. So hers is Deborah with an H. I'm Jessica with an H. My sister is Jenna with an H. Of course, my daughter is Michaela with an H. <laughs> and it just kind of got passed down. I just thought, oh, it's, it's fun. My name doesn't look whole and complete without that H on the end, right? Um, but um, she would said, I did that because... Um, in the Hebrew language, and I don't know if this is entirely true. I live with it, though. I think it's beautiful, but she says it means of God. And um, and I have come to this um, space where being of God was one understanding that I had most of my life, and now it's a much, um, I think, more expansive experience of knowing that I am of the divine. I am connected um, to you by the divine. I am, I am of God. And I think that those, uh, understanding where we come from and who we are and how we move forward is, or all of those things is a, is a big part of how we move forward. What do I want to take with me? What do I want to leave behind? And it just sounds like you are just, are really putting those things into place. Like, this is what I want to leave behind. This is what I want to move into. This is where, this is what connects with me. This is what honors my authenticity. Um, it's it's beautiful. I'm I'm actually really excited to just kind of watch your journey as you move forward. And I, I imagine that you're going to create more and more things um, as an entrepreneur. So that's going to be exciting to watch. But um, but what spaces you create for your life, you know, as um, as a Jewish woman. Is that how I would say that in Judaism? Mm -hmm. Okay. And, um, and being able to see what does that, what does that evolve for me? What do, what opportunities does that offer me to give to the world and give to myself? Um, I, I'm really excited to follow your journey. I'm excited that you found me because it's one more story that I, I had the sacred privilege of hearing. Um, 
and also I now get to be a part of as you move forward. Um, I truly believe that it is our stories that connect us to each other. So as we share those with each other, we, we find spaces where we go, I get that. I see that. I feel that with you. Um, but now I want to be a part of it with you. Now I want to, I want to know where this story right now uh, takes Sequoia. Like I, that's, that's exciting to me. So you don't get to wander far from me. Okay. <laughs> cool. um, but, uh, and I, and I often, um, or I've done it once, but it's in the back of my mind that as people um, live out their stories that we need to revisit them again. And so we, as, as you live out your story, story, we may need to revisit again and see what did you create? Um, and the, the empowerment that you leave me with is that I have choice every step of the way. This may be the circumstances that I was in. This may be the, um, the difficulties relationally or circumstantially, um, but I have choice. And I have choice to say this aligns with me or this doesn't align with me. And what do I need to create in my life? To move forward in authenticity and alignment um, doesn't mean you have to cut everything out. It means like you putting boundaries in place in the spaces that need them and that they might be able to come and go as other people evolve too. So um, your relationship with your mom isn't over. It's in creation. It's in process. And, um, but you giving yourself the permission to, to hold boundaries where they need to be and not release them until they're ready. Um, that's empowering. That's a beautiful story for, um, other women moving forward and saying, I can, I can own, um, my place in these relationships. I'm not owned by them anymore. Absolutely. So I, I am just so grateful that you reached out and I am grateful that you, um, felt that your story, uh, or that you, that you wanted to share your story. Cause I know it's a brave thing to do as you had described uh, specifically early on in the interview or the conversation. And, um, so I just, I respect that and I honor that. Um, and I know that you will inspire other people to say, no, my story matters. Um, it's important. Um, it's important to, um, to giving other people a space of hope and a space of um, humanity that they can tap into too. So um, I would love to connect people with the work that you're doing. And so I am, um, you've sent me that information on how to get um, in touch with you. I'm going to put that in the show notes, but um, as uh, for the audio space of this, um, where can people find you if they would love to connect with you? on any level, um, but specifically the work that you're doing. Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm at Sequoia Craig design. And then my website is sequoiacraig.com, which is simple, but the hard part of spelling Sequoia. So, (laughs) but I just want to thank you for holding this space for me to share this story because it absolutely was liberating because these are stories that I don't share with people. Mm -hmm. This is not something that I have talked about a lot and thank you for 
making it a safe space for me to be intimate and feel the liberation of sharing. Mm. Oh, it's, it's truly my honor. And I had the opportunity that our listeners don't have is to watch you, um, you know, cause we're on a zoom call. Um, and I got to watch you, um, as you told your story and to see what lights you up and to see what is, what is heavy and difficult. Um, so that's a second layer of, um, sacredness to me is being able to, um, to visually be able to see you tell your story. Um, and I, yeah, I just don't, I don't take it lightly that, uh, our stories need to be told. They're powerful, Sequoia, and yours is truly powerful. And I think that as you move forward, you're going to find more parts of your story that are going to connect with more people. And as you feel liberated, you're going to liberate other people. Um, and these, these are part, uh, this story is part of who you are, the, the parts you love and the parts you don't love. And, but they have defined who you are in this very moment. And, um, and you have this beautiful empowerment to choose where it goes from here. Um, what it, uh, it's just exciting. It's an exciting thing. Thank you. Um, and I will just uh, put it out there because um, to me it was very loud and um, obvious, but um, <laughs> we had a little rainstorm <laughs> on my end uh, during um, part of uh, your story. And because I am sitting in my, um, my, R-pod, my R-Pod, which is my um, husband and I's trailer that uh, we use for camping, but I have a very full house and <laughs> of people staying with us right now. And so... Um, I moved out here for it to be quiet. And then we get this rainstorm as you're talking about this conversion that you made from one faith system into another. And I just thought, wow, at first I'm like, I need to mute so nobody hears it. And then I'm like, no, maybe this is part of it, you know, to the, I don't know. It was a little bit um, divine to me. Water is very magical. (laughs) Right. And you were talking about that and then it starts pouring and there's no way for me to not let that be heard <laughs> on the, in a trailer. So well, uh, I can hear it, but that's really beautiful. Oh, okay. Well, it'll probably get heard on um, the publication of the po- episode, but, um, but just one more, just one of those divine um, experiences um, that your story held. It's like you opened up the heavens and it just rained while you shared so anyway i had to throw that in at the end <laughs> so i'm gonna put all that info in there so people can connect with you but um thank you so much sequoia and um your story truly does matter thank you thank you for listening and may you keep connecting all the beautiful parts of you